Welcome back, my favorite people in the whole world. How are we all doing today? And a very special welcome to the new F1 fans because this episode, how just like you can guess from the title, is a guide for the new F1 fans that want to get into the sport in 2024. It's gonna be a very light introduction guide. And I'm going to try to simplify it as much as I can. Again, welcome to the new F1 fans. You are more than welcome here. I am a new F1 fans. I am a new F1 fan. I started to follow the sport very lightly in 2020 and really got into it in 2022. The whole journey process was a long one. I get it. But I am a new F1 fan too. So... We are in this together. I followed the 2023 season as a whole global thing. Uh, I followed half of the 2022 season because I got into it like around summer break. But you know what? What is summer break? What do I mean by that? Don't worry. I'm going to explain it to you in one sec. So as always, grab your favorite snack, a glass of water, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, or shout out your favorite alcohol if you're a desperate Ferrari fan, just like me. And let's get going. Yeah. Well, if you don't know me, if you didn't follow the my podcast before and you just found this episode because it's an introduction to F1, then welcome. My name is Salma. Um, I speak in English, but I'm French. I've been following Formula One. Basically, I've been introduced to Formula One in 2020. My first race was the first win of and the only win for now of Pierre Gasly so Monza 2020 but I think that I can say that I'm really consider myself as a real not a real for fun not that there is a real or a fake but I wasn't following races before I was just looking at the result here and there for the tracks that I like and anyway it's a whole different story but I really really got into the sport mid-season 2022 and I started this podcast um, in June 2023, so it was, yeah, around the first quarter of the 2023 season. It's supposed to be a beginner guide, so people that know Formula 1, you usually know that stuff, but if you don't, if you figure out that while listening to it, you don't know that stuff, it's completely fine and it's completely normal. While doing my research, there were some things that I knew but I forgot because they are not that current into the F1 discussion. Let's get into more concrete stuff how the season is working you will hear people talking about half of the season first half of the season second half of the season if you're starting to watch f1 in 2024 just know that the calendar changed the year for your year starting formula one so there are a new logistic things that's gonna happen in 2024 that didn't happen before but Normally, when we talk about first half and second half of a season, it means before and after the summer break. Let's take the 2023 season as an example. Now that you have these 23 races, all these 23 races are spread from March till end of November 2023. So now, why first half while second half? Well, because around half of the races done, the driver has one month break. Now, half of the season usually happens around July, August. The last race is usually on the last weekend of July or the th- at the end of the third week of July and they start again at the end of August. So they have a full month of break and that's the summer break. And usually when people talk about the first half of the season, they talk about what happened before the summer break and the second half of the season is what happened after the summer break. Now in 2024, what's this changing? It's basically, we have 24 races. Note that it's note that it's it's not made on purpose because that's what I thought when I first started because there were 2022, because in 2022, there were 22 races. In 2023, there were supposed to be 23 races, but Imola was canceled. And in 2024, there are 24 races. Note that this is not made on purpose. Fair question, because I asked myself this question when I first really started getting to the sport. And I was too ashamed to ask the question. I was like, but is this made on purpose? Because that really, like, give me a, a sense of satisfaction to know that there were 23 races in the 2023 season. And that in the 2022 season, there were 22 races. <laughs> I just loved. I loved it. 
I loved it. But yeah, Shanghai is coming back in 2024. They haven't, they didn't go there for like, I think since COVID. Since COVID happened, they didn't came back to China. So very, very cool. There is a Chinese driver named Zhu Guanyu. We will do a specific episode on the drivers and the teams. But it's it will be his first time doing a home race while being a Formula One driver. So that's insane. What will change in 2024 is basically that in 2024, they will have also a fall break, if you want it. So there is a summer break and there is a fall break um, in September. It, we never had that before. Like a full-on one-month break between Singapore and Austin. Now, I know the calendar and the race following each other because usually they follow each other the same way each season. Um, but in 2024, they decided to be more focused on the ecosystem and try to reduce their gas emission. Thank you, F1 team. Um, thank you, F1. Thank you, the FIA, for actually using one brain cell. Um, so they kind of managed the race in a different order than what they that what it used to be. So some races that used to be at the end will now be at the beginning of the season. But you know what? Who cares? You don't need to know where we are going next week. You don't need to know the whole 24 races. You don't need to know that. Nobody cares. Just know that we always start in Bahrain and we always end in Abu Dhabi because these countries are paying to actually have the first and the last Grand Prix of the season. Abu Dhabi really pays a lot of money to be the last uh, race on the calendar. And Bahrain is hosting also the winter testing. Now, what is the winter testing? And why would you see people saying that the F1 season is actually starting mid-February and not end of February, like it said on the calendar? Well, because <laughs> there is the winter testing first. The winter testing used to be in Spain at the Barcelona circuit, but now it's in Bahrain. Um, so they go there for one week or one week and a half. Not really sure about the exact length of the winter testing. And they go and test the new car of the season. That's what happens. That's, that's the winter testing. That's basically it. They just go there and go in the car for the first time and try the car for the first time. Because the FIA put regulation on when the drivers can be in or inside of the car. Like, for example, during the summer break, they are not allowed to drive an F1 car. They are not allowed to train because it's a break for everyone. The engineers, the teams, the drivers, everyone. And it's, it has for goal to try to reduce the gap between the very, very wealthy teams, between the very, very unwealthy teams. And while we're talking about teams, I forgot to say there is 10 teams in Formula 1. I am the worst presenter or person to explain stuff. I forgot the most important thing. Well, not really. Like, I talked about the calendar. So that's a main thing. But now that we are talking about teams, there are 10 teams. 10 teams that I can list normally from my mind. If, if I cannot list them, that will be very embarrassing. But let's start. So, so there is Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, Stake F1 team that used to be Alfa Romeo, but you can call it also Sauber because they change name depending on their main sponsor. Also, if in your country, if you didn't listen to my last episode, if in your country you can't promote um, gambling games because Stake isn't a brand for gambling, then um, what is supposed to be Stake F1 team will be named Kick F1 team. So just for your... Just FYA, you might not see steak, but see, but see kick F1 team instead. So that's the fourth team on the on the can on on the grid. There is McLaren, there is Williams, there is AlphaTauri, AlphaTauri that might be named Racing Bulls. We still don't know. We still don't know. AlphaTauri being a closing brand. Uh, that is the main sponsor for this team. Sorry, there is Haas, 
Um, there is there's Aston Martin. And finally, I how can I forget this? There is Alpine. Al- <laughs> or Alpine if you're American. Or Alpine if you're trying to figure out how to say the name. <laughs> it's a French F1 team. They used to be called Renault. But because of a big drama with the CEO of Renault, Carlos Ghosn, that you might have heard over the news in 2019... Yes, it was in 2019. Then changed name. No, it was in 2020. They changed name in 2021 to try to dissociate from this image that Renault Episode. had. So. But in each team, what is the same and which face that you will see a lot are team principals and the two drivers. So on each team, there's two drivers. There is also a testing drivers who a testing driver who can also be not only the testing driver, but the third driver. So what is a third driver in an F1 team? A third driver in an F1 team is just if something happens to one of the driver, they they are sick, they have an issue, they can't go to that specific race because of personal problem, I don't know. The third driver is the one taking the spot. He is like, yeah, he's on the bench, basically. But not really, because usually there are F2 drivers or there are drivers in training. They usually are promised a spot in the team when one of the drivers change team or retire. Usually that never happens. They get stuck in that third driver spot. And that's why sometimes it's a bad thing to be the third driver and not have a side quest. (laughs) But that's, again, another debate. And you don't need to know everything about that understand everything if you're just starting what is a team principle the team principle is basically the team the manager of the team he makes sure that the development of the car of correct that the team as a whole is working correctly they are usually on the pit wall they have these big headsets and they are looking at the track and how the race is going on there is no link between the team owner and the the the, the team principal. Um, the team principal is basically yeah, the coach. I would describe it as much as that. But they work also... Yeah, they are the coach, basically. But they, they are not the one doing the strategy. They are working with the people working on the strategy. But they are not doing the, stra- the race strategy. Usually, that's the race engineer job. And talking about a race engineer, each driver has their specific race engineer. And these are the people that you hear on the radio talking with the driver. There are some that are famous and some that are less famous. One of the famous ones, and not for the right reason, is Xavi, the race engineer of Charles. Um, lots of people love to make fun of Xavi. I make fun of Xavi too. I actually hate Xavi. Um, we are checking because he is the one giving the direction to Charles. And usually, Charles Leclerc, driver for Ferrari. And usually, they his direction are not good. Let's say it like that. And another race engineer that might that you might heard a lot and know, and that is famous is GP. So he's Max Verstappen, race engineer. He is well. They are both known for bickering on the during the race, like an old married couple. Max used to shout at GP. GP is like, "Calm down, Max, please." And like they have this little banter and this very sweet relationship. I, I might be wrong, but I think, I think that GP has only been Max Verstappen race engineer since he's at Red Bull. I think that Max, since he is at Red Bull, has always been with um, GP. So anyway, they have a very sweet relationship and these are the main race engineer that you might heard some, some people talking about. But again, really don't matter that much. Next one. Um, now that we are, that now that we went over from the teams, the races, the calendar, In a more general term, how does a race weekend go? Because that's important. That's actually the most important for the viewers. That's the most important for you. That's the most important for me. It's how the race weekend goes. They are all going the same way. Let's go over the normal um, race weekends, then the sprints. How a race weekend go 
there we're gonna start on the Thursday because that's the most important. The Thursday is the media day. So all the drivers are on track and they basically go on interviews, have press conference. When you see all of them sitting on that very comfy couch answering questions, that's media question, day. The team principal also have usually meetings and like there's all this conference where they try they talk about the race weekend that is coming. They didn't hit the track yet. They are not allowed to go in the F1 car until the Friday for the free practice. So they haven't they didn't went they didn't go on the track yet. So they it's basically them saying like yeah we think we're going to do great this weekend because we have that 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 stuff more added on the car move on to the next day the friday friday is free practice day what is free practice well as you might have guessed the car evolved from one season to the other they basically start from scratch from one season to the other so that means that each year the car has never went to the track before the race weekend so free practice are basically training for before the race so they try to get data they get to say to change the settings of the car to see if the car works perfectly for this race weekend um how the pace is going and also what's very useful is that they manage to get intels on how the tires are working with the car and with the track we're gonna go over the tires just in a little bit because i know that's it's something that people overcomplexify about the tire strategy and stuff like that. But we're going to go over it. But basically, yeah, free practice is to collect data to perform better on qualifying and during the race. Talking about quali. Quali is on the Saturday, the quali day. But that's not the only thing that happens on the Saturday because there is the last free practice. Usually there is free practice one and free practice two. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, depending on the time difference that you have um, with the racetrack. But usually it's one in the morning, one in the afternoon on the Friday. And on the Saturday in the morning, there is free practice three. And then there is a five hours gap. Um, I think there is like, I'm, I'm not sure about the five hour gap, but there is a regulation saying that they, they need to have a minimum time. Like there is a minimum amount where the drivers need to be out of the car and not be in the car before starting quali. So on the Saturday, quali. What is quali? Qualifications, um, qualifying, calls it whatever you want. It's basically what will define the starting grid. So qualies are divided in three parts. Q1, Q2, Q3. I'm going to try to explain. It's very natural when you're watching the races. That's why also you don't need to know everything before watching your first F1 race. Will you understand everything even with knowing all the knowledge? No, you won't. That's how it works. Like I've made hundreds of research between the 22 and the 23 season. I knew the whole, like I knew the history. Well, where was who, who was with whom, which, which team was doing what in 1965. Like I've made this research before starting the season. And you know what? Did I understand shit during my first race? No, not really. Uh, because that's like that. You don't need to know the whole full history of Formula 1 since 1950, um, since the 1950s until now before starting the race. And you don't need to know everything before starting the race. You don't actually need to know how qualifying works before the race because it's very, very intuitive. I promise. Quali is divided in three. Q1, Q2, Q3. In each Q, there are some drivers that are being eliminated. They are not being eliminated for the whole race and they won't do the race, no. So it's in order to set the starting grid. So basically, when you start Q1, there are 20 drivers. At the end of Q1, the five that are the slowest are not going to Q2. And they will be ranked between these five slowest drivers that will be ranked from P20 to P16. Now we're moving to Q2. Q2, there are only 15 drivers. And the time of Q2 is shorter than the time of Q3. It's logical because they have less driver to set a time. So there is less traffic, less people. So things go a bit faster. So in Q2, just like for Q1, the five slowest drivers are being kicked out and won't go to Q3. Among the five that has been eliminated, there will be rank. And now in Q3, 
there are only 10 drivers. Why only 10 drivers in Q3? Because on the race, the 10 first finisher are the only ones set having points at the end of the weekend. But what you get at the end of quali is your starting grid for the next day, from P20 to P1. P1 can also be called pole position. And that's why they're all saying all the time, I want to get pole. Because if you start first, usually you have more chance to win. Well, not if you're Charles Leclerc, because usually when you get pole, you let Max, Max Verstappen win. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So that's what happened on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, race day, whoop, whoop. Depending on the channel you're watching, you might have a pre-race like a, a race buildup. If you're watching on F1 TV, you have a race buildup, um, which basically one or two hours before the race, lots of interviewers are in the pit wall, on on the pit wall, or in the are walking in the pits, interviewing a lot of people, trying to know how they are feeling. There are celebrities everywhere taking pictures of the cars. Uh, lots of driver has been complaining about that having too much people on race day, in the pits and on the pit wall and walking on the grid with the car next to them. Like it's, it's just that there are too many people and it doesn't help with concentration. Anyway, so yeah, depending on the streaming service that you're using, if it's Sky Sports, if it's um, F1 TV, I'm watching on the French one, so Canal Plus. Again, for Canal Plus, if there are any French listening to me, we have our own build-up named The Grid, La Grille, in French, um, and it's basically, again, all the interviews that are there on the weekend, they go, we see the interviews that they made earlier that day with the drivers, try to get their feelings just before the start of the race, like, and it's the build-up, it's like the tensions comes up, 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 until the start of the race, I love watching it, because like, it's really like the pressure is like building in, and you're like, oh, it's gonna start, only 30 minutes, only 15 minutes, and like, ee! You're so excited. I miss F1 so much. <laughs> oh, well, I'm talking about that. Like, I get the excitement of the pre-race. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited for it to start again. I'm really missing it so much. <laughs> anyway, let's get going. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start crying. I really miss F1. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm like physically in the need to feel like this excitement and this adrenaline. So just before the race, um, you have the build up and then the start of the race goes on and it's light side and away we go. Or for the Frenchies, because we all miss our dear Julien Febro saying it, it's Montez le volume et rendez-vous au premier virage. Ah, I got chills just thinking of that sentence. So that's our, by the way, little info, that's our, that's our lights out and away we go. And which means, um, like, put the volume on the TV, or like, put the volume up and see you at the first turn because the, the French commentator, Julien Febro, doesn't speak during the start of the race. He just keeps it shut. He just, he doesn't say anything, so we can all watch the start in silence and listen to the cars. And he will only start to speak when the first cars arrive at the first turn. Oh my god, I miss it so much. I mean, I, I am really missing that so much. Anyway, so that's how the race go. Now... What's the purpose of the race? What do you want to finish first? Not only to have a little trophy, <laughs> which is very cute. Because during the F1 season, there are two championships. There is the World Driver Championship and there is a Constructor Championship. What does it mean is that it's basically the same thing. Everything is calculated in the same way. You want to earn the most point that you can at every race weekend. And all these points at the end of the season are being added to to the driver and to the constructor. And the ones that have the most points wins the World Ch Driver Championship or the Constructor Championship. Now for the Constructor Championship, obviously it is the addition of the points of the two drivers. And for the World Champion, for, for the World Driver Championship, it's only like entitled. So that's why you there is also a lot of debate each time in each team do you go for team thing for teamwork and team winning or are you trying to 
win yourself a title and there is a lot of discussion every time between the drivers there's a lot of like little friction that you can hear or like that the people try to get about like oh this driver is only thinking about itself and not about the team strategy and the team team like team spirit um you will usually hear that when two drivers of of the same team are fighting on track or not <laughs> team thinking they want to have the best spot no matter if there's their teammate next to them but because their teammate is their biggest competitor it's not the other team because they all have different cars the biggest competitor of the um, of the driver is their teammate because they have the exact same car so that's where you can compare each driver also keep in mind that the experience is not the same all the time you can't compare fernando alonso to logan Sargent. logan Sargent 2024 will be his second um f1 season fernando alonso was in f1 before i was born he his first season was in 20 in 2001 and i was born in 2002 he started f1 before i was even born so you can't really compare you know <laughs> anyway the first one wins 25 points if i'm not wrong and the 10th and the 10th driver is winning one point and then you between 25 and one i don't learn that i just know that the first is 25 points and the last one is one point i don't care in the middle <laughs> i really don't know i know there is an 18 somewhere around the third or the fourth i think it's the third that's winning yeah, I think 25, 21, 18, and that's it. I don't know the order of the points. And you know what? It might be even more wrong and not even be 18 and 21. I don't really know. Who cares? This information is given to you at the end of the race. Nobody cares. And also, there is an additional point. If you are having the fastest lap. Now, what is the fastest lap? The fastest lap is when you are in the top 10 finisher so that you're already in the points usually you will hear that if you're in the top 10th finisher of a race you're in the points if you are not in this top 10 you're out of the points because you won't win anything basically from the 11th to the 20th they raced and got zero point at the end whether you finished 11th or whether you finished 16th zero points at the end but if you're in the top 10 finisher you can get one additional point which is the fastest lap. What is the fastest lap? <laughs> I know you're all wondering. <laughs> it's very, very blunt. <laughs> the fastest lap is when you're the fastest on one lap and you can get one additional point if at the end of the race, you were the fastest one. And that doesn't mean that on the last lap, you need to be the fastest. It could have been in like mid race, but nobody were able to beat your time when you're watching a grand prix you can vote on the f1 website and it will be reminding reminded to you i think when there is only five laps left on the race actually when you're watching the tv uh no matter the channel you are in they will remind you to vote for driver of the day uh driver of the day is basically the people voting you get elected driver of the day because people thought that you were the best driver even though you didn't win because otherwise Max Verstappen will only be the driver of the day during the whole 2023 season. Actually, he was not. Lots of driver earned driver of the day. I think Lando got most driver of the day in the 2023 season. I think he got it like at least three or four times because his performance in the 2023 season, even though he didn't win a race, were absolutely incredible, unbelievable. And it's the people judging it. And now we're going to go over the sprint format. They introduced the sprint races. The sprint races, also what I'm going to say, uh, the planning of the sprints might change. Honestly, I don't know what they're going to do with the sprints. They wanted to bring some new things over the 2024 sprints races. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. So I'm going to tell you how it used to go in 2023. Maybe... They will change it for 2024. Who knows? It's the FIA and F1. We never really know. Um, so, oh, by the way, what's FIA? What's F1? The FIA is basically the one making the rules. They are checking all the rules. They are checking the cars, looking at how people drive, what's going on 
inside a race, how the cars is built up. They have the rule book. They came up with the rule book. F1 is a brand also than being a sport. F1 is working with Liberty Media. F1 are the one diffusing the image to the other channels, so like ESPN or like Canal Plus for the French. I don't have any more sports channels. Uh, RTBF for Belgium. F1 is diffusing the image. So no matter the channel that you're watching on, you will have the same image. Basically, so the commentators are not the same. But the image are. And um, that's F1. So F1 is being paid by the other channels like ESPN, Canal Plus, RTBF to be allowed to diffuse the image that they are giving, basically. And... Out of this, F1 is getting a lot of money from all the channels and from all like the brands or whatever. And this money that they are getting is divided in 10. And that's the main salary that each F1 team is getting because of because they gave up their image rights. They say, okay, you can film this race, go on, but we need money in return. Um, it's not really important, honestly. Just know that the FIA is the rule book. F1 is a brand. But let's go over the sprint weekend now. So the sprint weekend format. Nothing really changed. Except that there is only one free practice session. FP. Usually it's called either FP1, FP2, FP3. Free practice. Free practice 1, free practice 2, free practice 3. On the sprint weekend, there is only one free practice. And, it is, and it's on the Friday. Also on the Friday, there's a quali. There is qualifying, but the quality, the qualities are only, but the qualities of the Friday or, but the qualities of the Fridays are for the Sunday. So what I told you what is happening on the Saturday afternoon, qualities are now moved on the Friday because when there is a sprint weekend, at least in 2023, the sprint weekend has had its own day on the race during the race weekend and it was a Saturday because first you have the sprints shout out what is it it's the sprint qualifying where they did the, it's it's the name of the qualies for sprints but they decided to not call it qualies but call it shout out so there is sprint shout out one two three just like for qualies and that's what happened on the Saturday and then that's usually on the Saturday morning and then on Saturday evening, as you might have guessed, there is a sprint. What is a sprint? It's like a race, but on fewer laps. Instead yeah. of going for 75 laps during the Sunday, they will go on the 30, on the 28 lap sprints. It's half usually, I think. Yeah, it's around the half. And talking about laps. Everything has a little link with each other. Have you? I hope that you notice that I'm trying to... Maybe it won't be the most logical order, but everything has a link with what I said just before. Talking about laps. Fair question if you were wondering how the laps, the number of laps of a race weekend is defined. And obviously, by the way, on the sprint weekend, the Sunday is the race and there is only the race. That's the only thing that doesn't change at all is the Sunday is the race day, the real race, not the sprints, the real race. No matter the weekend, Sunday is the race. <laughs> so that's why you can choose if you want to watch everything, if you just want to watch qualities and the race, or if you just want to watch the race. Um, you'll see at the beginning of the season, you'll be like, I'm just going to watch qualities and I'm going to do something else while doing qualities, like cleaning my room. And you'll be full focus for the race. And the more the obsession goes, the more things you want to see. Fast forward, it is Suzuka and it's 4 a.m. and you're watching the free practice. No, I'm not talking about personal experience. I didn't woke up on a Saturday morning at 4 a.m. to watch free practice. That has actually no consequence on the race. No, I did not do that. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> Weirdos. Um... <laughs> Oh, God. Um, but yeah, you can just tune in for the race. Just tune in for the qualities and the race. Tune in for everything. Nobody cares. You're an F1 fan if you're doing every option of it. If you're getting a slight interest in the sport, you're an F1 fan. So I was talking about laps originally. And how the laps are being decided. 
how many laps. It's simply because each at each race, the F1 drivers needs to at least um, do 305 kilometers during an F1 race. So depending on the length and the length of the circuit, they are doing that many laps. The only exception is Monaco because it's a very tiny circuit and they already are doing more than 75 laps, I think. But they are only um, racing on 260 kilometers, 260 kilometers um, at the end of the, the race. And that's the only exception because it's Monaco and because it's the most iconic F1 race on the calendar. And it's one of my favorite races, by the way. I love Monaco. Um, I know a lot of people are complaining about Monaco. I love Monaco. Also, talking about circuit. Uh, lots of people will tell you, this is my favorite circuit. I love this circuit. I want to go to this circuit. I want to do this, that, this. There are two types of circuit. Class, like classical circuits, that are only made for circuit. And streets, that are only made for races and for motorsports. Um, it's like... Spa, Spa Francorchamps. <laughs> if you didn't guess, that was French. <laughs> that's your clue. That's your, that's your intel. Spa, Spa Francorchamps <laughs> in Belgium. Um, that is a normal circuit. It's only a circuit. Like it's made for motorsports. But there is also another type of circuit, and it is street circuit, just like Monaco, like Baku, like Singapore. Um, like Jeddah, let me think, <laughs> there must be some others, but you got what I mean. And street, street circuits are like in a town. And Las Vegas, <laughs> Las Vegas is uh, a street circuit also. Anyway, and this street circuit, a street circuit, that just like the name, it's in the streets of a city. So the streets are just being closed for this F1 race. You'll see easily if you prefer street circuits or if you prefer classical circuit, like classical um, circuit made for motorsports. Um, for me, I'm going to tell you and you're going to try to guess. My favorite circuits are Monaco, Baku and Singapore. And if you remember <laughs> what are the names of the street circuit that I said like 30 seconds ago, you can guess I prefer street circuit. Um, I, I don't think I prefer, actually, I just said I prefer street circuit. I don't think that's true. I just love particularly these three tracks. I think they're very interesting. It's always lots of fun to go there. I like, yeah, Singapore is a night race. I love night races. Um, that's not even the main thing. I just love Baku. I just love how the circuit is in Baku. I love how the circuit is in Singapore. And Mo and Monaco is just, it's iconic. And I just love it so much. And I just love Monaco. And I love the spirit around Monaco. You'll see um, there is something that is very special. And I think it's only very uh, specific to motorsports. It's the vibe of each race weekend. Depending on when, where we are going, we, because we are going with them even if we are staying on our couch. Um, I think the vibes of each like race is so good. Like for example, no, no disrespect to that track, but I hate Miami. I think that the circuit is really not fun to watch. The race is usually very boring and I just don't like how the circuit is made in Miami. However, one of my favorite um, week, Formula One week, is the Miami week because the vibes are immaculate. Also, the Miami song of Will Smith is everywhere on TikTok, on TikTok edits, on everywhere on TikTok. And like the edits are so good. And like, I don't know, the vibes, it's like, it's like usually around April, it's finally getting warmer again and like everyone is so happy. It's like the end of the year, it's so much fun. <laughs> Even though the Miami race is always very disappointing, at least in my opinion. But the vibes and the build up to the Miami race, perfect. And for Monaco, it's I think why people don't like Monaco. It's because the build up of Monaco is just spectacular. It's the most iconic race 
uh, with Silverstone in F1. Everyone talks about Monaco. All your A-list celebrities will be at Monaco because it's the most iconic race in F1. And it's the most iconic place for F1. It's Monaco. And I love the build-up. Um, qualies in Monaco are always the best. You'll see, I don't want to talk too much about qualities of Monaco because I might jinx it and I'm going to touch some wood because if I jinx it, I kill myself. Qualities of Monaco. Perfect. Just watch it. The tension, the, the excitement. Um, I think I, I, I was on the phone with one of my best friends during the qualities of Monaco because we couldn't watch the Monaco race together. She screen recorded my reaction. I look like an insane woman. Let me tell you that I look like an insane woman because the qualities are just so intense in Monaco, but the race a little bit. However, it doesn't take from me the, the, the love of Monaco. And also every F1 driver wants to win Monaco, if you didn't know. Anyway, let's move on to the tires. What you need to know about the tires is that there are three types of tires, soft, medium, and hard. These three tires has their own characteristic. And how do you recognize the tires on the the tires on the on the car? It's because they have different lines on the side. The soft tires have red lines. The medium tires has yellow lines, and the hard tires has white lines. And these are the three types of tires for dry weather when it's not raining. Because when it's raining or when the track is wet two other tires comes in play. Intermediates and wet tires. Intermediates has a green line on the side and the wet tires has a blue line on the side. And these are the two tires for wet weather. Now, what you need to know about the characteristic, first of all, we don't really care about the wet, the wet tires characteristic but because they're bad for pace, no matter if it's intermediates or wet. Now let's focus on the dry tires because that's the most important. Soft, medium, hard. The soft, the soft tires, tires are, are the fastest, but they get the worn off the fastest too. Everything is fast with soft tire. Hard is the absolute opposite. They get they, more, they they take more time to get warm up, but they last longer. And the medium is the perfect the perfect association of soft and hards. Well, it's it's either the perfect association to both or the worst tire because then it's not they are not lasting that long and they are not that fast. They are okay fast and they are okay long lasting. So you're going to tell me why are they not using medium tires all the time during the race? Uh, because in the rule of the FIA, you need to at least change one time of tire type. So that means that you need at least to go from soft, medium, medium, hard, hard, soft, soft, hard, at least once in the race. And if you do multiple pit stops, you can decide to do, for example, medium, medium, hard, or soft, soft, medium. It doesn't matter. The best, you at least need to change once of tire type. And that's it for your tires. Um, don't try to pressure yourself to understand tire strategy inside of one race. Ferrari themselves, an F1 team, doesn't understand tire strategy or tire management. They don't understand it either, so it's fine if we do not understand it too. I promise you're going to be okay. <laughs> um, and honestly, it is these kinds of things that while watching a race, you really, really get it. It's when you really get to watch a lot of race, you start to understand, oh, that's why soft didn't work this time. It's because, oh, the, 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 the track was so warm that it, like, it worn off the tires way easier than what, they used, than what they thought that it would be, or like stuff like that. But you really get these kinds of details about each tires when you keep watching races after races. And yes, during your first race, you will feel, feel very overwhelmed. It's fine. Everyone does. And the people that said that, no, I got it everything from the first time, they do not. They didn't get it from the first time because, again, F1 teams don't get it. <laughs> they don't get why the car is not working. They don't get why the tires are not getting, are not having the pace that they should have. They do not get it. They do mistakes all the time. 
Ferrari is my favorite team. Alpine is my second favorite team. I can tell you that they do mistakes all the time. Way too, way too regularly, if you ask me. So it's fine if you don't understand it. And it's fine if when you watch TikTok, if you watch a YouTube video, if you watch an Instagram post, a post and you see people or content creator talking about this and that and this, and you're like, I am not a real fan because I don't understand all this technical stuff. Just keep in mind that they, they weren't born with that knowledge in their brain. They actually search it up. So if you're not a tech person and you don't want to really get into like why the aerodynamics work on this but not that, or why um, the tires need to be at that temperature or something, it's your right to do it and it's your right to say, I don't want to understand this. I, I actually don't care. It's not even like I don't understand it. It's like I don't even want to know why it works like that. It is 100% you're right and you're still a very and real because they, people love to use that word real F1 fan. Also, if you were introduced by DTS, obviously. I've been called so many times DTS fan, hence my nickname on social media. Um, I don't care. Yes, I started with Dark to Survive. Sue me. I, don't, I couldn't give less of a fuck. And you should too. Um, what else? Yeah, there's one thing for the people that really wants to know, little tiny things, compounds. You will hear it at the beginning of every race weekend. Oh, Pirelli brought the, com their hardest compound of, the, of their categories, C0, C1, C2. That's an example of a sentence that you can hear. What are compounds? Who is Pirelli? Pirelli's are the manufacturer and the only tire manufacturer in F1. They are the one providing the tires to the F1 teams and they are the only one providing the tires of the F1 team at every race weekend. Now, what they mean by compound? How to explain compounds? Um, compounds, first, you don't care about compounds. Nobody cares and it's not really that important. Compounds, so remember what I said that there were three types of dry tires. Actually, there are seven. In 2018, the seven tires were named, which was super soft, super hard, ultra soft. But the thing is like between an ultra soft and a super soft, there was no real difference in terms of pace. There were both the fastest tires for the tra for the car and it wasn't, it didn't make that much difference. So from, to make it easier for the viewer, they decided to reduce to soft, medium and hard. And um, and turn the other names into compounds and basically turn everything into compounds. Because if you're going to use a super soft instead of a soft, it's not because you want to go faster because you won't go faster. It's because of the weather or the track or how the, the car reacts on the track. If the track is a tire eater or not, I don't know if tire eater is a real thing, but I've been using th this this word with so many people, I think it's very like, you can get it. Like it's a tire eater track. It means that the tire gets worn off very easily on the track. I'm pretty sure someone used that terms before. I, I, I don't have the capacity to invent a term uh, that would be so good to describe a track. Tire eater track. So that's when you would like change from an, a hard front to a super hard, you know? But for the viewer, there is no real difference between super hard and hard. It's just, it's just a hard tire. So Pirelli and the F1 and FIA, I believe, decided to come with compounds, which means that every time there is a race weekend, Pirelli comes with compounds. Yeah. So and you will hear the pres the commentator says like, oh yeah, Pirelli came with the hardest compounds of their series which means that they came with the C0, C1, and C2. C0 being the hardest, C5 being the softest. And um, what they do is that the C0 will be the hard, the C1 will be the medium, the C2 will be the soft. And that's for like, for example, that's a, that would be like for a track like Bahrain. That would be the compounds used for a track for Bahrain. But the C2, could be the hard of another track, even though they were the soft at Bahrain, because it depends on how the track is and the weather at the track that will make change the compounds. And that's why they prefer to use compounds because it was clearer for people that when they go with C2, C3, C4, 
C2 is the hard, C3 is the medium, and C4 is the soft. But C2 could also be the soft at another track, just like C3 could also be the soft at another track. You know what I mean? That's why they change from compounds, and that's why they talk about C2, C3, C4, C5, but no one cares. Again, it's a beginner guide. If you want to know everything about compounds, I'm pretty sure that you can find even more information on the internet. This is just an introduction to make it clearer for you. One last thing, which is the DRS and the ERS. <laughs> I'm joking because I'm laughing because if you're a new fan, you probably didn't get this annoying encounter, especially if you're a woman, if you're a woman, a lady, a girly, a girly pop, um, and you are getting into F1. But if you're a new fan, so probably you didn't get that uh, encounter yet, but it will come, I promise, unfortunately. You will either get DTS fan, or a guy will ask you to list all the world champion of Formula 1 um, since day dot, or ask you what the D what DRS means. Because apparently women can't be a fan of motorsports. It's, it's a problem, it's weird. So if you know all the world champions since 1950, you're actually a better F1 fan. That's how they check if you're a real F1 fan. First of all, if a man asks you what DRS means, answer Daniel Ricciardo's supremacy. Don't even doubt it. Like, you don't think about it. Someone asked me what DRS means, Daniel Ricciardo's supremacy. It's not the real term, but that's what we use to counter-argument this. Because who cares? Like, genuinely, genuinely, if you're an F1 fan and you're watching a race, you're an F1 fan. Like, you're watching the race, you're an F1 fan. If you don't know what DRS means, that doesn't mean you're less of an F1 fan. That doesn't mean that you don't know shit about the sport. That doesn't define who you are, what you know, or what you don't know about sport. I'm going to explain it to you. It's very easy. Men, like, they literally ask you what DRS means, as if it, you needed to come from an engineer master to actually understand what DRS means. Um, I think that actually, actually, ERS, which is something else, with, which is something else, but that works conjointly with the DRS. The ERS is way harder to understand than DRS. And I think that that's why men don't ask it because they don't even understand what ERS means. So maybe we should, we should ask them what ERS means because I think that would be a more interesting discussion because ERS is a bit more complex than DRS. And that's why it makes sense that they ask what DRS means and not what ERS means. But let's get into it. The DRS is a drag reduction system. What's a drag reduction system? <laughs> oh my god. It's the first time now I'm very happy to explain what DRS means, and it's not because I'm under the pressure of a stupid sexist guy that thing that I don't really know Formula 1. And, and also, if you don't know what DRS means, that doesn't mean that you don't know Formula 1. But anyway. Drag reduction system. Basically, it's a button on the steering wheel that will um, have an impact on the rear wing. So the DRS basically is just make the car faster because they are reducing the dragging effect of the air on the car. So what's the DRS to make it even clearer? It's like the mushroom that you take on Mario Kart. That's what DRS is. You get faster on a limited amount on a specific place and during a little uh, a limited amount of time. That's what DRS is. It's the little mushroom that you get on Mario Kart. You just go faster for a few meters on a very specific point. Like there is a start point and an ending point to the DRS, just like the mushroom effect in Mario Kart. There are zones on the track that are, there are some parts of the track that are delimited to, um, 
to where the drivers can use the DRS. It's called the DRS zone, and you can see it because there is a, a, like a white line on the side of the track where there is like the, the start of the DRS zone and the end of the DRS zone. But that's not the only thing that they need to, um, to check before using the DRS. You can only use the DRS when you have a less than one second gap with the person in front of you, which means that the, the, the leader of the race never use DRS except if he is lapping a car and he is obviously if he is on the DRS zone while lapping a car because he has always more than one second uh, gap with the last one and there are very spe specific captures with the DRS which means that if they push the button of DRS at another place that what is supposed to be nothing will happen because otherwise it would be too easy to say oh I pushed the DRS button without even trying I'm so sorry I'm so fast right now no, that's not, <laughs> that's not how it works. But um, there are very specific captures that will enable the DRS or not, depending on the situation of the driver. Then that's why sometimes they might push the DRS button, but nothing happens. And one last point before I let you go is the ERS. We need to remember what the, uh, the ERS is the energy recovery system. What is ERS? It's, it's very technical. It's like about energy loss. And next time someone asks you what DRS mean, ask them in return what ERS mean. Please, I'm begging you. Let's make this a thing. Um, let's start to ask men what ERS means. Um, so the energy recovery system, what does it mean? Simply it means that, um, just like the name, the name is pretty like, like it's very like, you can get what the ERS means by energy recovery system. So they, uh, the ERS system managed to like to collect this energy that they are losing for nothing. So it's mainly, I mean, it's not only mainly, it's only heat, like it's heat energy loss or kinetic energy loss. Kinetic energy loss is when you brake because there is a lot of like little pieces in the car when the driver actually pushed the brakes. There are a lot, like, there are like energy they are losing in each of like the pieces they are moving. And then the heat, it's with the friction of the air, friction of the tires, friction of the, the track, friction of everything. It's heat energy loss. Now this energy is collected by the ERS, which make again a little mushroom in Mario Kart because that's totally only uh, a team strategy thing. They can decide when to use the ERS. Again, I must believe that there is a button on the steering wheel the driver push the ERS and it will give them a boost of speed because you will use like the energy, like the energy loss will be used as additional energy to what you are doing. Because again, the ERS is collecting all this loss of energy and then give it back whenever the driver or the team wants. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. And that's the simplest way I could sim like that, that's the easiest way I can simplify the ERS. Just know that the ERS is way more complex complex than the DRS. And I'm pretty sure that lots of men that are asking what the DRS means don't know what the ERS means and they are just pretending. Because I was pretending what to know what ERS means. I was genuinely pretending. And while you're watching the race, it won't change a thing about knowing what the ERS means. Um, the DRS, the, yes, because you will understand, you will see DRS enable on the screen or stuff like that. But yeah, basically that's it. I think we're good for this first, first chunk of the beginner guide. We will go over the teams and the drivers and like the car on itself on the next episode. Later during this winter break that doesn't want to end. I am finished with the winter break. I want a season to start again. I am missing. You know what I'm missing even more? The, the F1 theme song. You know what I'm missing more than races? The F1 theme song. I'm missing the theme song so much. Like, I'm, I'm watching a lot of people, of like, a lot of F1 um, content creator on Twitch. Especially one, he's French, his name is Idol. I'm watching him a lot. And he, he, he plays a lot, usually. He plays F1 manager right now. And for the F1 manager game, you get to have the, the theme song at the beginning. Like when you start the game, it's like the, 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 like the whole F1 
like introduction clip with the drivers looking straight into your soul through a camera. He's on stream. He's like, okay, let's enjoy your song. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I missed the I miss the theme song so much. I never thought I would miss miss that theme song that much. Anyway. Never mind, I'm not gonna play this. I'm not embarrassing myself. Anyway, I love, I love, I, I'm just, I, I'm missing the theme song so much during this F1 break and I, I, I winter break, and I, I never thought I would miss the theme song that much. Um, but like, now it's like the last line, like it's the finish line, it's like the last straight uh, before the, the, the racing start again, because we're in January. So I will count in my brain and for my mental health that we only have one month left um, before the real before the F1 season starts because well mid-February it's already the start of the season the mood is getting in on the first February for me it's already the start of the F1 season because it's the month of the first race so um yeah mark your calendar Bahrain is on the 28th of February um the Friday 28th and the race is on the 1st of March which is a Sunday um and this year we have a 29th of February which will be quality day how fun how fun is that? I don't know. For me, it's very fun. <laughs> I'm way too excited. I'm way too excited. I'm way too excited. Anyway, I'm going to let you go back to your occupation. Um, have a lot of fun, everyone. See you next week. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and this introduction, a beginner guide of F1. Welcome to the new F1 fan. Please come and just have a blast. Love you very much. See you next week. A bientôt!